Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America Babylon and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. This is Shannon Davis, the Omega Man, and we have a very special treat for you today. We're bringing back documentary filmmaker and book author Bart Sabrell. You may know him from films that he's produced like Something Funny Happened on the Way to the Moon, uh, Astronauts Gone Wild, and of more recent history, his brand new book called Moon Man. Uh, we're going to get into it all today, and it's going to be an exciting program. Right now, I've got a special announcement from the President of the United States, JFK, May 25th, 1961. I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the Earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for the long-range exploration of space. And none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. All right, now let's also pay honor to President George Bush and his speech on January 15, 2004. Our third goal is to return to the moon by 2020 as the launching point for missions beyond. Beginning no later than 2008, we will send a series of robotic missions to the lunar surface to research and prepare for future human exploration. Using the crew exploration vehicle, we will undertake extended human missions to the moon as early as 2015, with the goal of living and working there for increasingly extended periods of time. Eugene Cernan, who is with us today, the last man to set foot on the lunar surface, said this as he left. We leave as we came, and God willing, as we shall return, with peace and hope for all mankind. America will make those words come true. Well, let's not leave out President Barack Hussein Obama. This is from January, excuse me, July 7th, 2011. Now that the space shuttle is gone, where does America stand in space exploration? We are still a leader in space exploration, uh, but frankly, uh, I have been pushing NASA to uh, revamp its vision. Uh, the shuttle did some extraordinary work in uh, low orbit, uh, experiments, the International Space Station, uh, moving cargo. It was, it was a, a, an extraordinary accomplishment, uh, and we're very proud of the work that it did. But now what we need is that next technological breakthrough. We're still using the same uh, models for space travel that we used with the Apollo program 30, 40 years ago. And so what we've said is, 
uh, rather than keep on doing the same thing, let's invest in basic research around new technologies that can get us places faster, allow human spaceflight to last longer, uh, and uh, you know, what, is, what you're seeing now is NASA, I think, redefining its mission, and we've set a goal uh, to let's ultimately get to Mars. Uh, a good pit stop is an asteroid. Uh, I haven't, I actually, we haven't identified the actual asteroid yet, in case people are wondering. Um, <laughs> Uh, but the point is, let's start stretching the boundaries so we're not doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, but rather, let's start thinking about what's the next horizon, what's the next frontier out there. And, uh, you know, but, but in order to do that, we're actually going to need some technological breakthroughs uh, that we don't have yet. Yes, we're going to need a lot of technological breakthroughs we're going to be talking about, folks. And I've got one final speech to play for you, Bart. Uh, it was from Vice President Pence. December 12, 2017. Here we go. Mr. President, in signing this space policy directive, you are ensuring that America will lead in space once again. To guide this new era of American space leadership, President Trump has relaunched the National Space Council, and at the Council's inaugural meeting in October, we unanimously approved a recommendation to instruct NASA to return American astronauts to the moon and from there to lay a foundation for a mission to Mars. Today's action by President Trump makes that recommendation official national policy for the United States of America. As everyone here knows, establishing a renewed American presence on the moon is vital to achieve our strategic objectives and the objectives outlined by our National Space Council. Folks, welcome to today's program. It's a real honor to have my special guest, Bart Sabrell. Bart, welcome to the broadcast today. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? Um, it's going pretty good until I find out that we have been subjected to one of the greatest hoax probably of mankind's history, uh, and at least uh, in my history of being alive. Now, uh, you know, I mentioned several dates here from JFK's speech in 1961 to Pence and 2017, and uh, you're going to find out today, folks, that for over 70 years, uh, we've been pursuing the same goal, and uh, we still have not achieved it. In fact, uh, there's two other dates I want to mention, Bart. Now, officially, we've all been told that we put a man on the moon July 20th, 1969. I believe that's the date, we're told. And there's another significant date a lot of people may not be aware of. Uh, are you familiar with November 22nd, 1969, Bart? 69 or 63? <laughs> November 22nd, 1969? Well, I won't put anybody on the spot, but one of those dates actually happened. The other was a hoax. And uh, take a guess. November 22nd, 1969. Bart, that was my birthday. I'm here to tell <laughs> you that actually happened. That other date um, is a myth. And we're going to prove it tonight. Bart, um, what do you think about some of those presidential speeches been going on since 1961? Well, good research on that, Shannon. The one that stands out to me the most is George Bush Jr. saying in 2004 that they're going to, quote, return to the moon in 16 years. Okay? He said by 2020. So 
He's saying this at a point in history that we have 35 years better space and computer technology than in 1969. So with 35 years better technology, with twice the amount of time to reach the goal, they still did not meet the goal because Kennedy went to the goal, went to the moon in eight years, half the time with 35 year older technology. You see that? So basically, you can prove that the moon missions are falsified with simple deductive reasoning. Because today, with 54 years better technology, the farthest that NASA can send an astronaut into space is one thousandth the distance to the moon. So what they're claiming is that 54 years ago when all of NASA combined had one millionth the computing power of a cell phone they sent astronauts 1,000 times farther in 1969 than they can send them today with 54 years of better technology which is what they're saying is they had greater technology in the past than in the future but that's a historic and scientific impossibility and if it weren't for people's emotional attachment to the glorious moon landings people would see it for what it is I was the biggest fan of the moon missions I don't know how many of your listeners had a wall full of Apollo pictures on their wall year after year after year after year as a virtual shrine to the moon landings I did and to go from that to having to face facts that NASA has never kept a schedule not a single time in their entire history except the most complicated mission of all time they had a schedule and in fact in the entire history of aviation from the Wright Brothers kite plane to the 747 not a single flying machine completed its first voyage on the first attempt in fact the 747 took 168 attempts to get the fuselage off the ground after millions of aircraft had been built for decades. And yet, for some reason, the most complicated aerospace endeavor was also the only one that ever worked on the first occasion. It's unlike JFK assassination or 9-11. Whoever killed JFK, he's dead. Whoever did 9-11, they're dead. This is different. This is a positive lie. This is taking candy away from people and giving them a turd instead and they have an emotional bond to this. If you go to my website, which is just my last name dot com, S is in Sam, I B as in boy, R E L, Sabrell dot com, you can see all of my films for free, including a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, which cost nearly a million dollars to produce, which was financed by someone who builds rockets for NASA, who knows that the moon missions were fake. And you can also see in the top left button of Sabrell.com, my book that just came out is interactive. It's 16 video links throughout the book. The very first one is just a three-minute video where I show a picture, one picture from the alleged last mission to the moon that proves they're on Earth. Because if you go outside in sunlight, 
and look at two trees or two friends standing in your front yard, you'll see that your shadow or the shadows of the trees or telephone poles or whatever, they always run parallel with one another in sunlight because the sun is so big and so far away. And yet this picture from allegedly the moon has two objects five feet apart where the shadows are converging at 90 degrees. Well, I'm a filmmaker for 40 years. My job is to make fake scenes look real. That's 100% proof of electrical lighting, which means they're not in sunlight, which means they're on the earth. And my book culminates with the deathbed confession of an eyewitness to the moon landing fraud filmed at his base, which he confessed to as he was dying. And he gave us a list of 15 people who were there as President Johnson's special VIP visitors list. And we published that in the book at sabrell.com. We know when it was filmed, where it was filmed. And so you have the fact that you can't have a thousand times greater technology in the past than in the future. We have an eyewitness. That's the second proof. We have photographs intersecting at 90 degree shadows, which cannot be duplicated in sunlight. And then a funny thing happened on the way to the moon showcases classified footage dated two days into the flight of Apollo 11 of them using a one foot model, pretending that they're halfway to the moon, uh, when in fact they're still in Earth orbit with a third track of audio of the CIA telling them to fake a four-second radio delay. We have four times the proof that would prove it in a court of law that unfortunately the craziest of all conspiracy theories, the moon missions were fake, in fact they were faked. In fact, unlike an event happening on Earth like World War II in front of hundreds of millions of eyewitnesses, there's no independent press coverage. There's no reporter on the moon. There's no reporter on the rocket. We have to trust the Nixon administration that they're telling the truth. And a controller in Houston Command Center said afterwards he can tell no difference whatsoever between a simulation and an actual flight. And that's a guy in the command center. There's only three eyewitnesses, and once the rocket is up, who knows where it actually is, and a TV picture being controlled by the federal government. So this is pretty sad that we have the greatest accomplishment of mankind being done by the alleged, you know, shining light of righteousness to the world, United States of America, being a complete fraud. But we know by the dead man's own relatives Bobby Kennedy Jr. says his uncle was murdered by the CIA. So if they're willing to kill their own president, and Robert McNamara said they completely faked the beginning of the Vietnam War, the Gulf of Tonkin incident, he said he and the CIA made that up. That led to the death of 58,220 Americans. So I think if the CIA is willing to kill 58,220 of their own people, willing to kill their own president, I think they're willing to fake an image on a television. You know, Bart, um, I look at this as a legacy of lies that we've inherited. And, you know, I grew up in the 70s. Uh, if you had asked me back then what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have told you that I wanted to be an astronaut. I remember going to the library, and I would get these um, old books, and they would have uh, pictures of the supposed space program. And... Uh, I didn't even understand everything I was reading, but that was my dream. You know, I grew up in uh, with Star Trek, and uh, I remember seeing Star Wars when it came out in 1977. 
me and my brother came out of the movie theater and uh, there was a guy selling uh, toothpicks and uh, corks and we made them into TIE fighters. Um, you know, that's been every man's dream uh, to the moon and beyond. But folks, it's just a dream at this stage. I think uh, Obama pretty much came to t- telling you the truth. As we know it, we've made it only to low Earth, Earth orbit. Uh, would you agree with that statement? Well, absolutely. I mean, why do you think the Artemis mission has mannequins orbiting the moon? I mean, come on. We can play golf and drive cars on the moon in the 1960s, but now we can only send mannequins to orbit the moon? Well, why is that? Well, if you go to sabrell.com, click on the top left button, Moon Man video links. One of the links is NASA's own engineer, telling us that unbeknownst to most people starting a thousand miles above the earth and extending 30,000 miles in thickness is a field of deadly radiation and that every manned mission like the space shuttle has been well below that by about 750 miles below it except going to the moon and NASA's own employee and you can see this clip at sabrell.com He says the technology necessary to survive going through the radiation field to the moon and back has yet to be invented. So how is it they went through it to the moon six times? Well, they didn't. And the part of the mission that we have them faking on this classified reel that says do not show to the public when you pop it in, they're faking being halfway to the moon with a one-foot model of the Earth, allegedly with the blackness of space around it, and it's a complete fabrication, dated two days into the flight with all of the astronauts on camera and a third track of audio of the CIA telling them to fake a four-second radio delay to make it look like they're further away from the Earth than they really are. We have that on tape. I showed that tape to two news directors at NBC. The first one said he will not broadcast it because it'll cause a civil war because he says this absolutely proves they did not go to the moon. Ten years go by, another news director comes on. They say they're going to show this nationwide as a special. The falsification of Apollo 11. They get a call from the federal government threatening them and they back down. Friends, we are live with filmmaker and author Bart Sabrell. He's got a new book out called The Moon Man. And stay with us on this program. Bart is going to reveal a secret that he was sworn not to reveal until the death of the man who told him it, which died about a year ago, if I recall, and um, a special operation that uh, uh, blows the cover off what actually happened. But I want to take people back just for a moment, Bart, who may be new to this. And as I was looking at my notes to ask you some questions, um, there's a man who figures into this story that you had an opportunity to meet and learn some things from. Who was Bill Casing and Rocketdyne? Why don't I start you there? Yeah, when uh, the alleged moonwalk happened, I was four years old asleep in bed. But my dad was in the Air Force, and he was a high-ranking officer, and he got a VIP package of 9 by 12 color print. So that went up on my bedroom wall as my shrine. 
Fast forward 10 years at the age of 14, I'm watching a television program with the man you mentioned, William Casing, who worked at Rocketdyne for the Apollo program with super high security clearance. He said they didn't go. He said he read a memo from Von Braun to the Pentagon that said the odds of going on the first attempt with one millionth of computing power of a cell phone was only a one in 10,000 chance, which means they have a 99.999% chance they're going to kill the crew on national television if they try so they bluffed like in poker and i'm like oh well that's that's interesting <laughs> let me go back and look at this wall that i had looked at all these years with eyes wide shut and sure enough you could see the fake backgrounds that i just overlooked because i wasn't looking for them and then 10 years go forward again i was 24 had become a filmmaker and i'm actually editing a film one day for the guy who produced the show i saw 10 years earlier and i said hey who's this guy who said we didn't go to the moon he put me in touch with them and he suggested that i do a film about it and i actually originally turned down the project shannon because the more i looked into it the more i realized the moon landings could have actually been falsified and if i start looking into this it could be hazardous to my health. So I turned it down originally. And years go by, I developed a biblical conviction about right and wrong. And I said, you know, if they fake the moon landing, that's actually more profound historically than if they had actually gone. Do you see that? The faking of the moon landing is more important historically than if they'd actually gone. They lied to the world. They murdered people to keep it a secret. They embezzled $200 billion. They gave them ticker tape parades and medals of honor for being such good liars. That's the world we live in. So if you go to sabrell.com, click on the top left button, Moon Man video links, and watch a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, financed by someone who builds rockets for NASA who knows that it's fake, you'll see we open up with the Tower of Babel, which was the reaching to the heavens technologically at that time. The Bible says they only did it to boast. Look at us, never finished. Then we show the Titanic and the audacity of a publicity poster that said, the ship that God himself could not sink, never finished either. And then Tricky Dick Nixon, when he knew they were not on the moon, said putting a man on the moon is the greatest event since creation. You see, this is a blasphemous event. This is a blasphemous boast. Even if they were on the moon, comparing it to the creation of the universe is still blasphemous and 100% more when they're not even there. How ironic in our fallen world that fallen man's greatest accomplishment is a complete lie done by the country that claims to be the savior of the world, lying to their own people and murdering their own people to cover it up. Because one of the things I talk about in the book that I did not put in the film is I interviewed the relatives of dead Apollo astronauts who told me that they were murdered by the CIA. You see, the crew that was going to be the first crew to walk on the moon would not cooperate with the fraud, and they murdered them. This isn't my opinion. It's the opinion of the dead man's wife and the opinion of the dead man's son, who I interviewed for seven hours. They know that their husband and father was murdered by the CIA, and he was going to be the first man to walk on the moon, you see? So when our founding fathers wrote, when any government becomes destructive, 
of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and our tax dollars are hiring CIA agents to murder our brethren who are exposing their crimes, then they're destructive of life, aren't they? And if you have to ask permission to have more than four people at your child's birthday party, and if you have five, they shut off your electricity and take you to jail, then you're a slave. You're not free. And what if pursuit of happiness is going to church or opening your business? But they can't. The government says you can't. You cannot open your business. You cannot go shopping. Well, that's slavery. That's not freedom. So our government is destructive of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the moon landing fraud is the supreme example of their just complete arrogance over the people they govern. And you know, Bart, when we realize that we were lied then, then you have to ask the question, folks, what else have we been lied to about? And uh, take it up to present time. We're in a month in America. Those of you that are tuning in from America, where uh, we got that word pride again. And I'm a student of the Bible. And I uh, don't see anything good when it comes to pride. Doesn't the Bible say God resists the proud and gives grace, grace to the humble? And yeah, in fact, uh, the beginning of my film, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon, which you can see for free at sabrell.com, it opens up with the scripture, where there is pride, then comes disgrace, or pride comes before fall. You see, Kennedy boasted, we will do it, and it couldn't be done. And instead of admitting that it couldn't be done, they lied, embezzled, and murdered to fake it. And that means they're setting themselves up for their own destruction. And as you know, the United States of America is a sinking ship. And so uh, I don't think much can be done. And if you believe in Bible prophecy, we had an eclipse in 2017 falling over the largest pagan statue in North America in Nashville, Tennessee, Athena Parthenon. And April 8th of next year, seven biblical years later, it will fall over Dallas, Texas, the point of no return for our fallen government when they murdered their own president who was going to reform the corruption. You see that? A seven-year probationary period, and as we know from Revelation, the plagues come to encourage people to repent, but most people don't repent anyway. So I think the U.S. is set up for a big collapse in the very near future. I uh, totally concur. Again, for 30 days, our American government is snubbing its nose at God, and, uh, you know, uh, embracing uh, sodomite sin, among others, and um, folks do not think for a moment that that has gone unnoticed, and I believe believe it's going to elicit a very uh, bad response from the Lord. Um, taking us back to the subject of the fake Apollo moon landing, um, so you begin to ask questions, and you got to the point where you had to find some answers. Uh, part of that uh, was in putting together your documentary film and uh, in doing the research, uh, am I correct that you wrote to NASA and asked uh, for some films? Tell me about your request and what came back. Well, I'm a journalist and I have worked at NBC and ABC News 
And I was doing a documentary about the potentiality that the moon landings were falsified. I'm not about to tell NASA that, be shrewd as a snake, innocent as a dove. So I basically just told them I'm doing a documentary about the Apollo moon missions, which is true. And I said, uh, I want everything you got on the first mission. I figured if they faked it, they're more likely to have made a mistake the first time they faked it because they've never faked it before. So I said, send me all video, all film, all still pictures from the first mission. And in the process of going through that, almost all of the pictures were repeated hundreds of times. In fact, there's fewer than 20 pictures of an astronaut on the surface of the moon on the greatest accomplishment of all of mankind and believe it or not zero pictures zero still pictures of neil armstrong first man on the moon he refused to have his picture taken and so this film cost nearly a million dollars took seven years to produce I'm meticulously going through all the footage and i find a mislabeled tape and what was on the tape and on the label were two different things. And it's this unedited special effect footage dated two days into the flight of them faking being halfway to the moon, proving they cannot go halfway because they're faking being halfway, meaning they were on the rocket, you know, to go up in front of eyewitnesses and to splash down in front of eyewitnesses and to get zero gravity footage of the tuna sandwich floating by. And they never left Earth orbit. And what a surprise, 54 years later, they still cannot leave Earth orbit. In fact, they just published an article, SpaceX did, about two months ago. He says, in order to have enough fuel to go to the moon, we have to make 17 fuel trips to the space station first. Well, wait a minute. They didn't do that the first time with older technology. You would think newer technology would require less fuel, right? Right. And so the same thing, Elon Musk, with five decades better technology, wanted to see if he could land a rocket vertically. And this is with six computers all around that rocket. 600 million times more computing power than the Apollo program on one rocket. And when he tried to land it vertically, it blew up. The second time it blew up, the third time it blew up, the fourth time it blew up. So with 600 million times more computing power, five decades better technology, it took five attempts to land a rocket vertically. So how did they land a rocket vertically six times on the moon, <laughs> you know, with one 600 million the computing power? You see that? You can't have greater technology in the past. You can't travel a thousand times farther into space in 1969 than you can today when they only have mannequins orbiting the moon. You see, if it weren't for people's emotional attachment, they would see it for what it is. And it is unfortunately a fraud because it was so easy to fake. There's no independent press coverage. Whatever TV pictures and still pictures, they just come from the government. You have to take our word for it. And then people wanted to believe it, right? Nixon said the greatest threat to the country at the time wasn't Russia, wasn't China. It was people protesting the federal government. So he gave him a pep rally. Well, we uncovered the actual code name for the fake Apollo program issued by President Johnson himself called Operation Slam Dunk. 
All of this is in my book at sabrell.com, which I read myself, audio or Kindle or print, because when you fake the moon mission, you guarantee it's success. It's a slam dunk. And so we actually have an eyewitness, and I talk about this in the book, who was the chief of security at Cannon Air Force Base in 1968, and he stood beside President Johnson while they filmed Apollo 11, June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of 1968. President Johnson gave him a list of 15 people who were allowed in as VIP eyewitnesses. He published that, or he gave that list to me, which I published in the book, and some of these people are still alive. And several people on that list were verified to be at Cannon Air Force Base at that time. So we have, like I said, four times the proof Shadows intersecting at 90 degrees, which can't happen in sunlight. Classified footage of them faking being halfway to the moon. And I witness who I witnessed them faking it. And of course, the logic that you can't travel a thousand times further into space in 1969 than you can today with 54 years better technology, where they're only sending mannequins to orbit the moon because of deadly radiation that NASA admits the technology necessary to go through has yet to be invented. So, this is the state of our world. They really did fake the moon landing, and you can read all about this in my book, Moon Man, the true story of a filmmaker on the CIA hit list at sabrell.com. I uncovered audio of an astronaut and his son talking about having me killed by the CIA, which is in the film Astronauts Gone Wild, which would not be necessary if they really went, and I'm some silly person who thinks otherwise, would it? Friends, we are live with Bart Sabrell. This is a true story that everybody needs to hear. And I heard the voice uh, on the tape where this man talks to his father, the former astronaut, and said, Dad, you want me to call and have him waxed? talking about Bart. Uh, believe me, the story doesn't end with uh, Bart uncovering the evidence that uh, we did not go to the moon, but um, there's an aftermath. Uh, Bart has paid a heavy price to get this information out, and he goes into that in great detail in the new book, The Moon Man, where the CIA actually kidnapped him and drugged him. I want to stop right there, though, because I want to take you back to the 80s. I believe it was the 80s time frame. And you're putting together the first documentary film, Something Funny Happened on the Way to the Moon. And you've requested all the film archives that NASA has on the first mission. And uh, back then in the 80s time frame, what did they send you? Did they send you 16 millimeter film, VHS tapes, beta? What did you get it back in? Format. Yeah, this was the this was the late nineties. I think late I 90s. started the project in nineteen ninety four and finished it in two thousand and one. Okay, uh, they sent me what a broadcast format called Betamax or Betacam. Okay. They're pretty large cassettes. I'm trying to think of think just think of a big Bible. Yeah. they're about the size of a of a big Bible, and they're a broadcast format, and they would basically transfer whatever the originals were to that because that was the industry standard for filmmakers like myself so I asked him to copy everything and even though I got like 30 tapes 
it was all almost all repeats. There really isn't that much footage from the first mission to the moon and very few pictures of an astronaut on the surface of the moon, which is kind of weird. If you and I went to Paris, how many pictures would there be of us in front of the Eiffel Tower? And when you find out, I even went to NASA archives myself and went in the vault and I said, look, I'm sure you've heard of Neil Armstrong, most famous man in the world, first man on the moon. I mean, this is NASA. May I please have a picture of him standing on the surface of the moon? First man on the moon. There aren't any. They went in and out, scratching their heads over and over again. The guy refused to have his picture taken. So when I finally started going through this footage, bit by bit by bit, uh, I found this classified footage of fake photography and I call it Bill Casing, who you mentioned worked uh, at NASA. And I'm, you know, Bill, they really didn't go. I mean, when you pop in the tape and I'm like, is that a model of the Earth? Is that a one foot model instead of, you know, the Earth? And then the lights come up and it is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're faking being halfway to the moon, which means they can't go halfway, which means they didn't go. And when it dawned on me, I'm like, oh my gosh, they really did not go to the moon. Stop right there. Yeah. Uh, you said lights up. Let me uh, focus in on that detail here. You're looking at the footage, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the footage is supposed to see uh, one of the astronauts in the command module looking through the portal window on the spacecraft, and he's looking at the, was he looking at the moon or the Earth? Supposedly through well, the, the Earth. This okay. is one of the clips of my book. Your listeners can go to sabrell.com click on the top left button moon man video links and go to the one that says smoking gun basically they were trying to convince the tv viewers at home that they're halfway to the moon two days into the flight so they say there's only one window that faces the earth and that the lens is right up against the glass to shoot the tiny earth far away so if you can imagine a black screen with a little tennis ball sized blue earth in the middle this is allegedly you know the earth far away uh, the lights come up and it's a one-foot model of the earth the thing is dated two days into the flight and we see the big earth out the window so they're still in earth orbit when they're claiming to be halfway to the moon thusly faking being halfway to the moon and Literally. I'm like oh my gosh they really didn't go to the moon and four out of five people who watch a funny thing happened on the way to the moon who previously thought the moon missions were real reverse their opinion largely because of this footage this footage convinced two different nbc news directors that the moon missions were fake one refused to broadcast it fearing it would cause a civil war against the federal government and the other one 10 years later was going to broadcast it and was told by the federal government not to do it and back down so this is extraordinary footage and when you combine it with an eyewitness and forensic evidence of photographs that prove it were taken by electrical light and the logic that you can't have greater technology in the past and in the future and you know what the day that i found this tape i call it bill casey and i'm like they really didn't go they really didn't go and he's like well bart i told you <laughs> and i'm like no no you don't understand they really faked it he says well bart i told you and i guess i i part of me wanted not so much to believe it was real as to not believe it was fake because that means we're living a fallen world and a fallen government full of corruption and deceit and really juvenile deceit they really didn't have to fake the moon landing they could have just said hey kennedy misspoke he's not a scientist it's going to take more time 
but they didn't. They couldn't eat humble pie. And so the people around our country are juvenile Pardon? because they they can't even tell the truth that they set a goal they didn't do and so they contrived this whole thing and murdered people along the way to cover it up now that's where we're headed here folks uh, again if we were lied to uh, about going to the moon okay so be it but human lives are at stake here people were murdered and to honor them the truth must come out who else will be murdered uh with other lies that are told and have been told uh, that are beyond the scope of this program. 911, I have my questions about that. Okay, uh, but literally, you're looking at this footage, and it looks like uh, the astronaut and the space capsule in the dark, and then literally, lights are turned on. And what do you see when they flicked on the lights? <laughs> Well, they lied about where the camera was. The camera was never up against the glass. It was at the back of the spacecraft. They turned out all the lights and so that you're seeing part of the Earth outside of a circular window, which makes it look like the Earth floating in space. It's a pretty clever little effect. And more than that, there's a third track of audio. You see, they're really in Earth orbit. So if NASA says hello, they would say hello back really quickly. But they're supposed to be halfway to the moon. So they estimated about two seconds for the radio signal to go out and through all this old equipment and two seconds to come back. So at the beginning of the tape, you hear NASA say the TV picture looks good. There's four seconds exactly of dead air. Then you hear a third track of audio of the CIA say talk. And then Neil Armstrong speaks. He was basically being instructed not to answer NASA right away because it would give away the fact that he's really close to the Earth. So they faked a four-second radio delay, and we have the audio of the CIA prompting him to fake that delay on the tape, too, clear as crystal. And so that was the first thing that caught my attention is that they're faking a four-second radio delay, which, you know, is further proof of, of this uh, being fraudulent footage. Again, and it, you can hear CIA handlers speaking. Yeah, you can hear them crystal clear. It's not NASA, and it's not the astronauts, which kind of have a walkie-talkie kind of EQ to it. This is wherever the tape is being recorded. It's crystal clear. And, you know, Neil Armstrong apparently had an earpiece in, and he was told not to respond to NASA until he heard the cue talk so that it would fake a four-second radio delay. And that's on the tape, too, crystal clear. So he's being prompted to fake a four-second radio delay, which what's the, there's no point to that if the moon missions are real. And there's no point of faking with a one-foot model of the Earth to pretend you're halfway to the moon if the missions are real. If they're faking being halfway to the moon, it's because they cannot go halfway which means they cannot leave Earth orbit, and they all had the same equipment, so if one mission can't leave Earth orbit, none of them did, and that famous picture of the shadows intersecting at 90 degrees, proving that it's electrical lighting is from the, quote, last mission to the moon, meaning they never went. And so this whole idea that we have to return to the moon to practice to going to Mars, that should tell you something right there. I mean, if you did it six times, what more do you need to know? Folks, Move on, you know. <laughs> we are live with Bart Sabrell, the Moon Man author, if you're just joining us. Now, Bart, uh, so we have been told that we landed a man on the moon in 69, but I want to back you up two years prior. 
I think it's January 27, 1967. Uh, there is a fire in the Apollo 1 aircraft, uh, uh, spacecraft, and uh, it happened on the ground. Um, and three astronauts are burnt alive. Uh, what's the importance of this? Only two years before we supposedly had the technology to get us to the moon, um, there are some astronauts that uh, have been made aware that all is not as it seems. Tell us about Virgil Gus Grissom. Well, I interviewed his widow, Betty Grissom, for four hours, and I interviewed his son, Scott Grissom, who's a 747 pilot, for three hours. Betty Grissom told me that on January 26, 1967, her husband, the commander of Apollo 1, came home from work and said, Hon, for some strange reason, the CIA is all over the launch pad today, monkeying with the equipment. I wonder why they're here. I haven't seen them here ever. Why did they show up today? The very next day, the guy is dead from, quote, faulty equipment. Because weeks before this, he held an impromptu press conference without permission and invited reporters up to the top of the rocket where he affixed a huge lemon and called the thing a piece of junk. He said we're a decade away from going to the moon at least. So a few days later, they set up this scenario where he dies by an accident because he was a whistleblower. He was complaining to his congressman and senator they're not anywhere near capable to go to the moon, and he should know he's the pilot. So... When the CIA shows up one day and the guy's dead the next day, his widow is 100% convinced that he was murdered by the CIA. So this is my second to the last chapter of my book, Moon Man, which is at sabrell.com, an audio that I read, Kindle or print. It's called NASA's Greatest Fear, this chapter. Because if they faked the moon landing, Shannon, let's say, and didn't kill anybody, you kind of have a little underground respect for them, like the robbers who tunnel from the dry cleaner into the bank and get the gold, right? Yes. But not if they murder three security guards who are fathers and husbands, right? And so they murdered their own people. And this is why the government is so concerned that the truth about the moon landing fraud will come out, because all of NASA knows that Betty and Scott Grissom have been complaining since 1967 that they're husband and father was murdered, that it was not an accident. So if the truth comes out that the moon missions are fake, which it could, the very next thing they're going to have to investigate is the death of those three astronauts. That will be proven. And that I think the federal government killed their own people to cover up their crimes, which means they do not deserve to exist. They have become destructive of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Get rid of them. Start a new government. I think it's important to mention also what Gus Grissom said to his, uh, his own wife. Um, he noticed uh, some people there um, on that uh, testing in that testing hangar. And he also made a, a statement with regards to, look, uh, they can't even hear me on the intercom in here and the building over. How are they going to hear me, hear me in the moon? Is that correct? Yeah, basically one of his final statements he made on this earth is, guys, if we can't talk to, between two buildings on an intercom, how are we going to go to the moon? And then they said, I can't hear you. In my film, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon, which you can see for free at sabrell.com, I don't mention it in the narration, but there's like a 
five or ten second clip of Neil Armstrong rehearsing in front of reporters, picking up the first contingency rock sample. Basically a stick with a bag on it to take a quick moon rock in case they have to leave quickly. The, the end of the bag falls off the end of the stick. They can't get a stick with a bag on it to pick up a rock to work days before the first mission to the moon. You see? So how can they get more complicated things to work when they can't get a stick with a bag on the end of it to work? You see? And again, you cannot travel a thousand times farther into space in 1969 than you can today. That should speak for itself. If it weren't for people's emotional attachment to the glory of the moon missions, they would see it. And maybe this is why that first NBC news director thought it would cause a civil war because whoever shot JFK like I said he's dead whoever did 9-11 they're dead we had America pray for these people and and wave their flag and tear up you see and and they're it's taking that away from people and showing just the utter arrogance and disrespect of the federal government for the American people not only taking 200 billion dollars out of their bank account to fake going to the moon, then using that money to kill the crew of Apollo 1. And the person who I witnessed the faking of the moon landing, I didn't put it in the book because his son was still alive, but he confessed also to murdering a co-worker to keep it a secret. He murdered a fellow employee at Cannon Air Force Base who was going to go to a reporter and tell them they were faking the moon landing. God and he personally mercy. killed him. He confessed to that while he was dying, and the fact that the reason why he killed this person was to cover up the moon landing fraud, which was filmed at Cannon Air Force Base June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of 1968. I don't know what more proof do we need. We have four times the proof necessary that the moon missions are fake. And I don't know that anything can be done about it. Three quarters of Americans already admit that Oswald did not kill Kennedy. Right. Um, And I want to talk about 1968 here. Hold that point just for a moment. But I want to just close on Gus Grissom by saying, folks, he knew something was wrong. Uh, If I recall, he told his wife there were CIA all over the place there. What were they doing there? And if anybody has not seen the pictures of Gus Body and the other two crew members, folks, literally burnt to a crisp. High oxygen environment in that capsule. A spark is all it took. And those guys were literally cremated in there, killed to keep this lie secret. Uh, we're talking 1967. 1968 is an interesting year, Bart. Um, A guy named Stanley Kubrick comes out with a movie uh, that literally was epic. Then and even now, um, called 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, How does Stanley Kubrick fit into this story? And again, this is a full year before we supposedly go to the moon. Um, What did you find out in your research about this guy? Well, there are pictures of him with the staff at NASA. Uh, Cooper talking to the flight director, current flight director, and future flight director at NASA. NASA gave him a special low-light lens a couple of years later to film Barry Lyndon with. The fact is, they did not go to the moon. The pictures are fake, and they had to have somebody in charge of the fake pictures. So they had two choices. They could hire the media director of the Pentagon's video department and get amateur quality but good security or 
they could hire the best filmmaker on the planet who happened to be shooting a film about going to the moon in 1968. When was this filmed at Cannon Air Force Base? 1968. You see, so yeah, I believe that's who I would have chosen, Stanley Kubrick, to get the realism pictures of the fake moon landing. And odd enough, his last film, Eyes Wide Shut, he had stipulated in the contract that it be released on a particular day. He insisted that that film open up on July 16th, 1999, the 30th anniversary of the fraudulent fight to the moon. And in The Shining, the little red rum boy has a hand-knit shirt on that says Apollo 11. A lot of people think he was dropping clues by these two things. Stanley Kubrick uh, tried to tell us. And uh, I tell you, I believe that this um, legacy of lies continues to this day and may have contributed to the premature death of Stanley Kubrick. Uh, interestingly enough, he dies uh, during the, uh, you know, completing that movie, Eyes Wide Shut, uh, mysteriously. Uh, was it natural causes? Or do you think it's feasible that his conscience got the best of him and he was maybe getting ready to um, come out and tell the truth? Who knows? He's dead. But Folks, um, join us just now. We're live with Bart Sabrell. Now, Bart, I think it's clear to me through the research you've done that we did not get there to the moon. I believe we've gotten no further than low Earth orbit, as even Barack Obama was referencing. But uh, in all this, uh, what did you find in your research that was is really the underlying reason why we would lie and say we went to the moon? Uh, were there other events in motion in the 60s uh, as related to Russia that we need to be considering? Well, there is no reason for embezzling money from the taxpayers and murdering people to cover it up. Uh, they, they just did it because they were arrogant. They got away with killing Kennedy in front of 200 eyewitnesses. They got away with the Gulf of Tonkin. It just emboldened them to keep doing it. Uh, it a little Russia note there. Uh, I think Nixon said that Russia and China were our greatest enemies, and yet during the Apollo program, we did a grain deal with Russia below cost, and Nixon went over there and kissed their butt and opened trade relations. I think they're blackmailing the United States. I think China and Russia found out the moon missions are fake and are blackmailing. Rather than blurting out they're fake and then that information becoming valueless, they hold on to it and blackmail the United States year after year. I know someone who works in the Chinese Space Agency Command Center. He wow. says everybody knows that the moon missions are fake and they have a deal with NASA not to say so in exchange for technology. So there's proof right there from someone I know in the Chinese Space Agency that says China is blackmailing the United States over the fake moon landing. How about that? That's amazing. I have a theory. Let me run this by you. Okay, so uh, if we follow the space programs, uh, long before um, America announces uh, we put a man on the moon, uh, there, were, there was a development of rockets. Uh, there was this uh, race to space to see who could orbit the Earth first, put the first satellite into space, and really at the cutting edge of it all is Russia. 
They're, they put the first satellite in space. They put a dog in space. They had the first, I think, man to do an orbit or even a spacewalk. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Uh, they had these massive missiles. Uh, really, though, the story, I guess, should go back even further to the end of World War II. Uh, there's a man in your research that we hear about, Werner von Braun. Why is he significant, and who was this guy, and uh, what was his relation to the space program? Well, the State Department said that had he not died in 1974, I think, in 1975, they were going to indict him for war crimes <laughs> during World War II. Yes. He was the Nazi rocket designer of the V-1 rocket that could launch from France and hit England. And so he was the brain trust of the rocket technology that the U.S. military got after World War II. The Russians got the hardware. Yeah, the Russians launched the first satellite, the first animal, the first man, the first woman, the first spacewalk, the first crew of three, the first orbit. Everything that was a space milestone, they did first. And they never sent anyone to the moon because, to this day, it still can't be done. In fact, in order for American astronauts to go to the space station right now, they have to use a Russian rocket to do it. That's how backwards our space agency is. And so, yeah, that's that's what happened. And then Von Braun, uh, we have, in fact, if you go to sabrell.com and at the very bottom is a YouTube link, I just uploaded a video where Von Braun says it's going to take multiple trips of fuel to a space station first before you can even orbit the moon. And that's exactly what Elon Musk is saying now. You have to make 17 fuel trips first. And then he said, once you land on the moon, you have to immediately go into a cave because of micrometeorites. Thousands wow. and thousands of sand pellets traveling at 25,000 miles an hour hitting the moon nonstop. That they will cause catastrophic decompression in your spacesuit or spacecraft a 50% chance every 24 hours, which means if you stay there two days, you have a 100% guarantee of being killed by a micrometeorite. And they never even talk about that and all the days they bounced around on the moon, right? So we found a lot of publications of his, including one that he says that it's commonly believed that you can go to the moon in one rocket and back. He says that's just not true. It's going to take three rockets, each 10 times the weight of the Queen Mary, weighing 800,000 tons each. And of course the Saturn V was only 2,500 tons, not 800,000, a difference of 30,000%. He said these mathematical numbers are irrefutable, unchangeable. And so how they suddenly recanted on his math by 30,000% two days after Kennedy said, let's go to the moon in one rocket, well, there you go. We found the mathematical figure saying that that's an impossibility. And Elon Musk is proving it today, saying you have to make 17 fuel trips first. And that's exactly what Von Braun said in a video we uncovered that I posted to my YouTube channel, which you can see at sabrell.com. And Werner Von Braun should have known, folks, because he was one of the smartest guys around. Uh, so much so well, that he was brought into America through Operation Clip and Paperclip along with thousands of scientists, uh, intelligence men, and uh, just through the whole spectrum of the Third Reich uh, as part of an ex uh, exchange made at the end of the war. Um, so 1945, uh, many of these guys came over and uh, lived in America, worked at NASA, 
and other agencies worked for the CIA. This is an established fact now. In fact, um, would I blow your mind, Bart, if I also uh, told you that we've been lied to about the death of Hitler in the bunker? We've all been told that he committed suicide with Ava Von Brown. That's the end of the story. Uh, the Third Reich was destroyed then. What if I told you 10,000 Nazis from the Third Reich uh, survived and thrived, got out of Germany, and settled in places like Argentina, Chile, Brazil, Bolivia, and that none other than Eva von Braun lived until about 2002. Now, folks, we don't have time to go into that story here. That's a whole other separate uh, thing that uh, I'm researching now. Uh, you know, Mengele, of course, uh, Dr. Frankenstein from Auschwitz, he lived until 1980, maybe even later. They picked up Adolf Eichmann. Uh, Martin Bormann, the number two man, escaped uh, and lived in many places, dies in Paraguay of uh, cancer. Mengele tried to treat him, and before he died, he helped set up 750 multinational corporations, uh, including the Nazi-founded International Bank of Settlements. And we're hearing a lot about Nazis now, even their reemergence in places like Ukraine. But let me get on track. I can go down a rabbit trail there. Uh, here's what I believe happened. Um, with the, the threat of the Third Reich eliminated, our new threat was Russia. The Cold War ensues. There's a space race, and we see Russia um, leading the pack on uh, building these massive rockets and putting money into their space program. And they keep achieving one goal after the next. So you say, well, okay, so who's going to be king of the hill? Who's going to get the first man into space, first man on the moon? Here's what I think went down. I believe that um, the Pentagon and the CIA is looking at these giant rockets. And the thinking is, well, if they can uh, build one of those and put a capsule into space, could they put a nuke right into New York City? And so I believe the plan was launched, Bart, where uh, we had to go ahead and, uh, and send the message. Uh, look, if we can put a man on the moon, then we can put a nuke anywhere on the globe we want. And I believe it's the greatest bluff of all time. Russia bought it. The American public bought it. And we're continuing to buy that lie, a lie of we can put a man on the moon that never happened. It was a successful uh, bluff, though. Uh, what's interesting is um, all these astronauts have one thing in common, Bart. Correct me if I'm wrong. Were they not all military, active military, when they went into space or went on these missions? Well, so, they resigned their military commission so that they could technically be called civilian pilots for NASA. But, yeah, they're all ex-military as far as I know. And, and that would mean they yeah. had probably top secret, even above clearances. So uh, you got former military. They could be ordered to remain quiet um, about the mission. And uh, there's a famous um, interview that I think was done with three of the astronauts post-moon landing, right? And everybody's comment over the years, these guys didn't look like happy campers. What am I talking about? Well, this is a clip that I show only for about maybe 10 or 20 seconds, and a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, which you can see for free at sabrell.com. 
and it's their one and only press conference where they're all together talking for about an hour after they allegedly returned to the moon. And for me, what convinced me they did not go was that footage of them faking being halfway to the moon. But one out of five people is convinced by their expressions at this press conference where they look like they're at the funeral of their mother for an hour. They, they look so dejected and sad when they should be like the winning locker room of the Super Bowl. And so it goes exactly opposite of we just came back and survived going to the moon and it looks exactly like they're lying through their teeth and regret doing it. And so that really convinces a lot of people. And then if you look closely enough, you can see that there are two teleprompters kind of hidden, recessed into the desk to prompt them what it is like to have this one-of-a-kind experience that only they should know what it's like. So they're being prompted while they answer questions about what it was like to walk on the moon. I mean, who would know but them anyway, right? And so, yeah, that proved to be a fiasco. And so basically Michael Collins and Neil Armstrong never gave interviews after that with rare exception when the president of the United States asked them to speak on an anniversary. In fact, on the 25th anniversary, and we show this clip and a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, which is at sabrell.com, he says on the 25th anniversary to a group of high school students coming through the White House, perhaps someday you'll be able to remove one of truth's protective layers. He sure did. I heard it. Uh, imagine having to go through life living your lie. You're ordered uh, to secrecy. Uh, if you divulge the truth, you're threatened. Uh, you'll never see the light of day out of your jail cell. Much like the people today who work out at Area 51 threatened if they tell the secrets of things that are happening out there, although we learn that uh, nuclear waste is being burned out there, among other things. Uh, now, we're live with Bart Sabrell if you're just joining us. I'm going to bring us back up to speed here in just a moment in his book, Moon Man. But along the way, you did the documentary film. Then you come out with something called Astronauts Gone Wild, which I've seen the, the film. It is wild. You actually decided to go up there and ask the question yourself from these astronauts and get them to swear in a Bible. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, after the first film came out, I guess maybe reminiscing on old courtroom dramas I saw on TV as a kid, uh, why don't you, you know, take an oath that you're telling the truth? I thought, well, why don't we just track down some of these Apollo astronauts, put a Bible in front of them, and ask them to swear to God whether they walked on the moon or not. Uh, for those who did not give interviews ever, uh, we kind of tracked them down at public events. And uh, for some of them, though, they do give interviews. They charge $2,000 an hour for the honor of being lied to. Wow. And, uh, of course, we have a millionaire backing us, and we hired a private detective to find out where these people lived and went to various places, Texas, Florida, uh, New York City, to California to track down all these people. And uh, Astronauts Gone Wild is me confronting several of the Apollo astronauts, uh, one of which, uh, Edgar Mitchell, we you know, had permission to come in his house and for him to 
talk about the glorious moon landings. We set up a monitor. We show him the fake footage of pretending to be halfway to the moon. The guy turns beet red. He says, the interview's over. Literally kicks me from behind. He's so angry. And in the commotion, we left a wireless microphone on him. And when he's inside of his house having a private conversation, we're still recording the high-quality wireless audio on the camera in the back seat of the rental car because the camera guy forgot to hit stop record and which point his son says do you want to call the CIA and have him whacked and then of course there's the famous time where I get punched by Buzz Aldrin after calling him a liar coward and a thief he refused to swear on the Bible he told me it was because he believes in God is why he did not swear on the Bible that he walked on the moon (laughs) Neil Armstrong would not swear to God that he walked on the moon the only people who did admitted they're atheists and it means nothing to them so this is uh, the way that it is you know if only one person had claimed to have walked on the moon maybe they would have gotten a conscience and confessed by now but the problem is they're confessing for all the surviving members of the Apollo missions and admitting basically their guilt as well so and then of course potentially making America look foolish but America made itself look foolish by doing this the problem is the people who faked it didn't really think further down the road very far at some point something's gonna happen and it's gonna come out and I guess they figured someone else would have to deal with that now we're at that hour where they cannot return to the moon in twice the time with 35 years better technology George Bush Jr. 2004 will return to the moon in 16 years with three decades better technology they can't do that they can't even build a spacesuit in four years I mean, how did they go to the moon on the first try with one millionth of computing power of a cell phone? It makes no sense. And so Astronauts Gone Wild is the second film, which you can also see for free at sabrell.com, where I confront several Apollo astronauts, and one threatens to shoot me, one kicks me, one punches me, one threatens to punch me, and of course we have one audible threat from the CIA to kill me, which of course would not be necessary if they really went to the moon and I'm some silly person who thinks otherwise. Now Bart, we also must uh, mention there was one astronaut that I think was ready to spill the beans and then he, he dies suddenly. Tell me the story about that astronaut. Yeah, before I hit the scene, Bill Casey was kind of the leading investigator into the moon landing fraud. He was one of Oprah's first guests and he you know, told everybody I was there, they did not go to the moon. And in August of 1991, one of the Apollo astronauts, James Irwin from Apollo 15, contacted Bill Casey. So you can imagine my surprise if right now one of the Apollo astronauts calls me rather than me tracking them down. Well, he called up Bill Casey and said, we need to have a serious talk about this book you wrote about the moon landings being fake. And he said, the reason is, that he had become a born-again Christian and wanted to clear his conscience. He said, call me at this number three days from now. And on that day, the astronaut coincidentally died of a heart attack. So somebody's phones were being monitored and they took care of him before he could do that confession. See, he was converted after he faked the moon landing and wanted to get right with God as he should and they did not allow that confession to take place in fact the person who was an eyewitness at Cannon Air Force Base Cyrus Eugene Akers uh, 
Yes. When I'm confirming this information with his son about two years ago, okay, I'm confirming the details before I publish my book. His house is broken into. Everything about his father is stolen. And a couple of days later, he's threatened with death if he ever talks to me again about the moon landing fraud. We had to call the regional FBI. I called the White House press secretary and a senator on the United States Intelligence Committee. All got it, got involved to protect this guy from wow. rogue elements in the CIA who faked the moon landing and are still threatening to kill people to cover it up because the government would be super embarrassed if it came out they lied about the moon landing and then according to Betty Grissom right killed Apollo astronauts who wouldn't cooperate I mean that would just be atrocious it's kind of weird when you have William Benny who worked for the NSA for 30 years in upper management go on national TV and say oh by the way we spy on the private cell phone conversations of Supreme Court justices to get sexual and financial impropriety on them so we can blackmail them to vote the way we tell them to vote. It's a national fact established that Supreme Court justices are being blackmailed by the NSA and not a single investigation. And yet, when a journalist finds out that Bernie Sanders is getting more votes, but Hillary Clinton's getting more delegates, the person who leaked the information is attacked by the FBI rather than the corruption itself. Right. <laughs> you know? And so, how can it be an established fact that Supreme Court justices are being blackmailed and not a single investigation because the CIA and NSA run the country and everyone's afraid of them? Yes, they do. Um, lest I forget, and speaking of investigations... It seems to me in your research, I recall you making note of the fact that there was an investigation by Congress or some congressman into this whole thing around the time of Gus Grissom's death, like a 500-page document or something that was basically proved we, we couldn't go to the moon at that time. And was that suppressed? Am I remembering this story? Yeah, that was the Barron report. That's it. And uh, Barron was a whistleblower, and he kept complaining that, you know, the this is uh, faulty equipment everywhere, at every level. It's faulty equipment. They're no way nearing going to the moon. He was highly respected by Congress for telling the truth about it. And after the Apollo 1 fire, he prepared a 500-page report called the Barron Report that mysteriously disappeared after he mysteriously died at a train crossing. Right? So... There are forces trying to prevent this information from coming out. In fact, I forget who, but a former deputy director of the CIA was going to testify to Congress about the criminal activity of the CIA. And when his hand is on the door of Congress to open it, he has a fatal heart attack. Good, <laughs> I mean, good grief. Um, the yeah. Barron Report, did it ever surface? Have we ever been able to get a copy of that? No. Oh, my goodness. I do. I did get a copy of the Apollo 1 fire report, ah. and they did something really clever. In order to basically make it uh, impossible to find without classifying it, because that would be suspicious, they renamed it. I think they called it something like the Apollo 201 fire or something. Uh, okay. And so... Uh, it would be technically in the record, but no one would f ever be able to find it. They're looking for Apollo 1. And so we got a copy of that. I think it cost us $10,000. We bought it from the estate of Roger White, 
one of the Apollo 1 astronauts who was murdered. And yeah, there's just a lot of forensic evidence in that report that says that the fire was set intentionally. Now, let me um, mention something here that I wanted to run by you, see if you've run across this before. Okay, so this uh, one astronaut, Jim Irwin, um, I looked into his life, and he, he became a born-again Christian later on. He went looking for Noah's Ark. I thought, well, this guy, if anybody can be trusted, uh, a Christian man can. And so I used to have this argument with a friend of mine. He went home to be with the Lord. His name is Edelo Martin. I said, Edelo, we went to the moon. Come on, Jim Irwin went and I. And then he told me something. It hit me like a bombshell. He said Jim Irwin was hypnotized. And I, uh, I have some other things that lead me to believe that hypnotism was done on astronauts, and he's even done on uh, special agents in some cases that are sent on some missions. Did you ever run across any uh, mention of hypnotism used with NASA? Because I'm thinking, you know what? Uh, if you drug these guys or hypnotize them, you could put them anywhere, and they actually believe they went to the moon. Uh, and then other ones, of course, you know, could just be bald-faced liars. But do you think that any of these people had any brainwashing techniques on them? Um, no, I, I think they considered that. Uh, but the fact is, if James Irwin called up Bill Casey and said he had something to confess, it's because he knew exactly what was going on. Yes. And in order to lie to such a degree about so many intricate photographic and scientific details, you have to have a coherent, sober mind. And while they may have considered hypnotizing people, it's not reliable. Okay. And I think it's the Manchurian candidate like Sirhan Sirhan. Sirhan Sirhan probably was hypnotized. He was there and he probably fired a gun into the air. And that was enough to you know, blame him for the assassination. But aside from that, under hypnosis, he was not capable of a kill shot. I think that the astronauts, all being former military and having secret, they still had to have their secret clearances, being NASA, and probably higher, uh, they were told you need to do this. It's a patriotic thing to do. It, uh, you know, uh, we could be nuked if we don't send a message to Russia, who is uh, overtaking us in this whole program. That uh, we need to let them know that we got the capability to put a man on the moon. We can put a, a rocket over Leningrad. Uh, do this for the country. It's the right thing to do. And. Uh, and then threaten them too. If you ever reveal this, uh, we'll put you in jail. To your, you know, put you underneath the jail. Um, I think many of them, being military men, uh, did it out of a sense of patriotism, right or wrong. But the problem is, folks, people were murdered. And it's one thing to be lied about that we didn't go to the moon, as Bart said. If we didn't go, well, we were lied to. That's bad. But it didn't stop there. To cover up the lies, people were murdered, over and over again. And that's where um, you can't just sit quietly and look the other way. The right thing to do is stand up uh, for the people who have died uh, to cover the lie. And uh, that is um, that's something these people are going to be answering to when they stand before the Lord God Almighty, whether they get prosecuted on this side of the judgment or not. These things are horrific, what our government has done, and I don't believe that they stopped there. I believe we've got uh, a legacy now of being lied to time after time, cover-up after cover-up, and real question is, what are they going to do next? Um, Bart, I want to be sensitive to your time, and I want to thank you for coming on, but i, I got a question or two more to go. 
Um, you do the documentaries, but the story doesn't end there. You've come out with a new book. Excuse me. Uh, it's downstairs, son. Go look for it. I'm sorry, my little one walked into the office. Hold on. Okay, that's what happens when you have three kids, folks. They might walk right in on you on a, t on a radio program. Thank you, Bart, for your understanding. Um, no problem. Bart, you do the book. And in this book, uh, the story doesn't end. Uh, you uncovering the fact that we did not go to the moon. Uh, these people are still at it in the government agencies, even willing to take human lives to keep the lie. Um, what happened? Were you pursued by a government agency and actually kidnapped at one point? Is that the story? Yeah, and I think it was the end of June of 99 when I found the classified footage of fake photography that two different NBC news directors agreed proved they never went to the moon. So when I found that, I got very scared. I'm like, oh my gosh, they really did fake the moon landing, and I have proof of it in my house with the blind roommate and toddler son, whatever I got myself into. Wow. So I went, I went that night to church and stayed extra late. I remember it was a Wednesday night, and of course there were hundreds of people in the parking lot. I was like the last of two cars and getting advice, and they said, look, you've bitten off more than you could chew drive like a bat out of hell to CNN, you know, some five hours away. And so as I'm leaving the church, I drive past this uh, public swimming pool that had been closed since sundown about two hours earlier, and a van backed into the driveway so that it can conveniently pull out quickly, immediately pulls out when I go by, not after any other 300 cars that just went by, and I'm like, oh, that guy was waiting for me. And I'm like, so I put on my brakes, and I'm like, I'm not going anywhere until this guy's in front of me. I guess he apparently figured out that he had pulled out too quick, gave it up, decided to pass me, so I follow him. He gets on the expressway going to town. I get on the expressway going to town. I pull up alongside of him, you know, know your enemy. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever, ever seen that uh, documentary where they hang a big piece of meat over the boat and have a great white shark come up and grab it. Ooh. You know, you look at the eye the eye of that shark and I call it soulless there's nobody at home it doesn't care if it's your child your mother your grandmother he's gonna eat them without remorse and without regret that's how this guy looked I've never seen anything like it before and as soon as I looked at him and he looked at me my car dies the electrical system the engine or whatever someone later told me in the military they had zapped it with an EMP Wow. So I'm frantically on foot where this guy meets up with another car and they keep circling around trying to catch me as I run from one side of the uh, freeway to the other, try, you know, trying to be on the opposite side as they are. I finally flag down a cab and take a cab uh, to CNN where I'm surrounded by the police. And, of course, it's by that time we get there, it's a little bit, it's right at the beginning of lunchtime. And I'm like, am I under arrest? And I, I, I showed them my credentials. I said, look, here's my NBC News credentials. Here are these huge broadcast quality videotapes. And I said, you know, you guys probably don't even know why you're here. Let me tell you, this is footage of them faking part of the moon mission. And one of the three police just, you know, you could see him realizing that something's going on here. And I said, am I free to go? They wouldn't let me enter CNN. Uh, but they didn't put me under arrest either because they couldn't. And there were eyewitnesses, people sitting outside eating their lunches. 
So I made my way to the back of the building to hand it off to a reporter friend inside where I was surrounded by numerous government agents who threw me into a van that was pitch black, but not before they handcuffed me, took the tapes, and then I heard them say something like, do you have the thing? Where's the thing? I thought you had the thing. And I'm like, well, what is that? The thing was like this, it looked like a plastic wristband you get to go into a concert or a hospital or something. Well, that's right around my wrist. And as soon as they put that on my wrist, I start getting really nauseous. Wow. They had drugged me with this contact LSD that was absorbed through the veins of my wrist. And I start throwing up and seeing spots before my eyes. Well, they take me somewhere. They interrogate me. I tell them everything they wanted to know. You know, where's the original and who has copies and whatever else I don't even remember. So the idea that you have to torture people to get information out of them is not true unless you're just being vindictive. In any case, I ended up escaping their custody and I made my way back to Nashville, Tennessee, where I said, I got them because I have truth serum in my body. So I peed in a cup. Wow. And I said, I said, I'm going to prove that I was drugged by this exotic drug that only the government would have. And I give it to a friend to put in a lab in his name, not mine. I check back with him a few days later, and I said, well, what are the lab results? He says, well, there was a problem at the lab. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what problem? He says, well, they had a break-in over the weekend. And I said, yes. Yeah, so what? He said, well, funny thing, the only thing stolen was your urine sample. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so all these CIA espionage adventures I discuss for the very first time in my book, Moon Man, which is at sabrell.com. I never talked about this publicly, but I figured this is my final statement on the matter. We have the deathbed confession. Let me just tell you what happened when I found this classified footage of fake photography. I was literally kidnapped and drugged by the CIA. I had proof that they had drugged me with true serum. The lab where the urine sample was was broken into to, so that I couldn't prove it. I mean, all these crazy things happened and are detailed in a chapter in the book called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to CNN and the follow-up chapter, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Church, where I was basically a drugged a second time. <laughs> and so all of this, I go into great detail in the book. Uh, as the final historical record of what went on, and uh, it is what it is. You know, four out of five people reverse their opinion of the moon landing fraud authenticity after watching a funny thing happen on the way to the moon, where 95 out of 100 reverse their opinion if they read the book, because the book is interactive. There are 16 video clips. I write a chapter, and I say, go to clip one. Write a chapter, go to clip two which you can see for free at Sabrell, S as in Sam, I, B as in boy, R-E-L, Sabrell.com. And with my testimony, logic, and 16 video clips of NASA saying the technology to go to the moon has yet to be invented, and deathbed testimony and this, that, and the other, it's overwhelming proof that Folks. we did not go to the moon. They really did arrogantly lie about it, and it was much easier to fool people with no independent press coverage and a public who wanted to believe it. So this is the sad state. So the book is called Moon Man, the true story of a filmmaker on the CIA hit list. It's available in audio, which I read myself, or Kindle or print, and it's at sabrell.com. Folks, you need to get to sabrell.com. 
watch the documentary films and get up to speed. A funny thing happened on the way to the moon. Astronauts gone wild. And then read the book, The Moon Man. Also, you're going to get an opportunity, if you go to Bart's YouTube channel, to watch the interview that he was only allowed to release after the death of the interviewee. That was the agreement that was made, who died, I guess, in the last two years or so. And uh, where the son of a security guard who worked at this military base was there and an eyewitness to a program that we now know was Operation Slam Dunk, which involved a movie set where they filmed the moon landing. You've got to watch the interview. I watched it again just prior to this show. It's amazing. New revelation that is part of this story. Uh, I want to thank you, Bart, for putting it all on the line to break this story. Um, and again, folks, you have to ask the question. We were lied to about the moon landing. What else have we been lied to? What is the next lies that are going to be told? I think that um, our government, sadly, Bart, is unrepentant. It's shown no, it's brought no fruits, meat for repentance, as God requires. And uh, one guy who's a researcher uh, on many of these historical events said the real truth is classified. Uh, we have only been told about 15% of true history. The rest classified. You know, I don't like being lied to, Bart. Why can't they just tell the truth and let the chips fall where they may? Well, sadly, that's not the way it is. Um, and I think many of us now realize that we cannot trust our own government. And many of these agencies are being weaponized. I believe that, sadly, our country of America has fallen in the hands of uh, evil people that are taking us into communism and uh, a new world order. I want to have you back and talk about some current events and get your take on uh, what's next. Uh, but, Bart, before this program, uh, what is next for you? Are you um, working on any new projects? Uh, did I hear you correctly? Also, you've gotten into some gaming software? Well, if you go to sabrell.com, uh, there is a game, a board game I invented for smartphones or computers called Seven. It's a seven by seven board with seven pieces of each that have to move seven spaces every turn. And uh, that's for free. There's a free download button at the bottom of sabrell.com. And then, Lord willing, I may produce a feature film at some point in the future. I'd like to get away from uh, nonfiction and go back to fiction, inspirational films, inspirational books. And uh, so if you want to follow my work, just go to sabrell.com. I also have a podcast that's subscriber-based. I do a once-a-week new summary, and then if you pay for the next tier, the first one is 10 a month, the next one is 20 a month, then you get uh, End Times Church, kind of an inspirational message every week, and there are little higher tiers where you can talk to me one-on-one -on -one once a month as well with a live video chat, and all of that's at sabrell.com. I'd appreciate it if you could just put that link where people download this interview. I'd appreciate it. Bart, uh, before we close, here's a question from the chat room. Wes in Alaska tuning in. Wes says, isn't Bart concerned that he could be whacked now? Now, threats have already been made on your life. Um, the son of one astronaut said, Dad, should I call the CIA and have him greased? 
uh, folks, uh, this has always been a, a real threat uh, when you break a story like this. Uh, but where do you sit with that? Uh, are you afraid for your life at this juncture? Have you had to uh, take any special precautions after putting out the most recent book? Any threats come out of that? Where are you at with all this? Well, generally the tradition is to go after the person who leaked the information, not the person who received it. And that was the case here. They went after the son of Cyrus Eugene Akers for telling me the information that his father told him. They threatened him. They broke into his house. They didn't do anything to me. There are good guys in the government who are doing their best to protect people like me and him and to help the truth come out and reform our government. Uh, death would probably be a nice holiday for me, <laughs> to tell you the truth. I don't really think about it. I'm always cautious and I have my antenna up. but. You know, this is relatively old news. I mean, it's been 20 years since 9-11, and you have 3,000 architects and engineers saying it's mechanically impossible for a pinhole airplane to bring down a skyscraper. Yes. Just look at Oklahoma City bombing, where half the building was blown away, and it still stood firm. Right. So, it is a little different. This is the one, I think the NBC News director was right. He feared it might cause a civil war because this is different. This is an emotional candy, and you're taking that candy away. It's not just revealing who did a bad deed, like with JFK or 9-11. It's taking a good deed and turning it into a bad one. That may have a different reaction on the public. They don't want the truth to come out. They're continually supporting you know the fake moon landings over and over and over again um you know if they if they really went to the moon and i went around saying mickey mouse is the first president not george washington would there really be hundreds of videos to defend that george washington not mickey mouse was the first president of course not and yet if you type a moon landing fraud you don't get anything about the fraud you get hundreds of films articles videos to defend the alleged obviousness of the moon landing, which they wouldn't need to exist if they really were obvious, right? So uh, that's just the state of things that we have. And uh, I spent 20 years writing this book and uh, two years editing it. And it includes all of my films, million dollar worth of films, NASA clips, historical clips. And it uh, has gotten good reviews on Amazon. It's just, I think, 20 bucks uh, for print and probably 15 for audio and 10 for Kindle. And it lays out the sad fact that, yes, indeed, the moon landings were falsified. And hopefully this will be my final statement on the matter, and maybe someday I'll be able to make an inspirational feature film. That would be nice. You know, Bart, um, I would say to the listeners out there, thank God for his word, because the word of God says, those who fear and obey the Lord, the angel of the Lord encaps about them to deliver them. And I believe you're going to be fine because uh, God's got you. Uh, you stood up for the people uh, who were taken out to cover this lie, put your life at risk, and uh, the truth sets us free. You have told the truth. Now the world can know the truth. And I believe God has his angelic uh, protection around you and all of us who will stand up for what is right. And... Uh, I want to thank you for coming on today. Folks, I want to encourage you all to get out to sabrell.com, S-I-B-R-E-L.com. Get the, 
the book by Bart, watch the videos, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and uh, we definitely want to have you back on again uh, to speak further. Uh, Bart, I want to thank you for coming on, and before we close, would you like to close us in prayer today? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that uh, you've given us the hope of heaven, the example of Jesus. Uh, we're no better than anybody else, Lord. We're all fallen, all short of the glory of God. Help us all to be repentant to the very end, faithful to the very end. Help us to have good humor and good faith along the way. Please help whistleblowers and the government come forward to expose the fallen world for what it is. Help us to love all people, love our enemy, love our critics, love the people who we know aren't doing right because we uh, are not without sin ourselves. So help us to not throw stones at other people, but to work on repenting ourselves and just loving the lost. It says in 1 Corinthians 6 that uh, all these type of sinners, and we were among them, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it says, and that's what the church is made of, former sinners. So help us to love all the former sinners and all the forms that they come, to encourage everybody to repent, tell the truth. And I pray for some astronaut, somebody in the know, to confess that the moon missions are fake, to give God glory and for it to be a healing part of the history of the world in this country. And we lift up this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Bart, before we close, I saved uh, a very secret to the very last of this program. Since we did our last show, something bizarre has happened. You want to hear what it is? Sure. Okay. Are you familiar with an ancestry site called FamilySearch.com? Have you ever heard of that? Or Ancestry.com? Yeah. Okay. So... For many decades, I've been uh, working on my family tree. I was, when I wanted to know where do I come from on my dad's side. And when I uh, got involved in this, I knew very little. All I had was the initials of my great-grandfather, my dad's side. Uh, the, the oldest living member of the family was my, my father at that time. My grandfather had died, Grandfather Davis. And uh, I had nobody else to ask. And sadly, my dad didn't know too much. So, man, it was like pulling teeth. And I've only been able to make it back about four generations on my dad's side. And then the trail runs cold. So I will jump over to my mom's side. And anyway, I've been working on my family tree piecemeal since about the 90s. I usually work on it over the, you know, Thanksgiving holiday, Christmas, get a little bit extra time. And I have made some discoveries. Well, something very odd happened to me about three months ago. I'm on this FamilySearch.com mailing list. And it's this... Again, it's a free ancestry website you can go to. It's operated by the Mormons, who as part of their religion, they require all Mormons to track their history back, you know, um, four generations. So they make this major, massive genealogy database available to the world. Now, I'm raised Christian, but I thought, okay, I'll, I'll check out their database, and I had, and started to put my information in there, and I got this email from the family search. And they said... Uh, you are kin to Elvis Presley. Would you like to know how? And man, I thought this was a scam. I said, come on, man. And uh, I just put it off. And then I said, what the heck? Let me go over and look. And lo and behold, I logged in the Family Search website. It pulled up my account. And uh, Elvis Presley is my cousin. Uh, seven generations back, two times removed. I said, this is crazy. You mean E is my cousin? It was on my... Uh, one of my grandmother's side and you trace it back and you see where we had the same grandparents 
or great, you know, great, great, whatever back there. And I'm kin to Elvis through Gladys, his mother. I said, well, that's crazy. Nobody even invited me to Lisa Marie's uh, funeral. And, you know, if I'm kin, you know, Bart, if I dropped in through Memphis, would they let me stay at the house over there? You know, I'm, I'm kinfolk, right? Uh, well, it gets more bizarre. Brother, no, no joke about this at all. I am kin to at least 28 of the American presidents. Now, if I told you I was kin to one, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, this is so bizarre. I literally have links to 28 of the, I think, what do we have, 46 presidents? Uh, I said, how is this even conceivable? And all these celebrities begin to pop up, and you say, well, come on, is this true? Well, yeah. Set up an account, and if you put enough of your information in there, they'll begin to do searches. You know, with the AI and all that, it can find links. And lo and behold, it'll be on one great granny's side, uh, my mom's or grandfather, you know, whatever, and they have this link. Um, so how does that tie into what we're talking about today? Um, this is kind of well. Infamous. We all came. We all came from Adam and Eve. So technically, every person is related to another person. Maybe I'm related to Elvis too because I really like fried chicken. <laughs> and uh, there's a story on my mom met Elvis in the like the early 1950s when he had just gotten his first pink Cadillac, and he wanted to ask her out for dinner. And she turned him down, wow. which is too bad because had she said yes, maybe I'd talk like this, baby. Wow. But anyway. Priscilla, bring me another fried <laughs> banana sandwich, please. Um, she wasn't she wasn't dating musician. <laughs> but this is where it com comes back to the Moon Man project. You know who else popped up on my ancestry? Werner von Braun. I don't know. Werner von Braun. Listen to me on this. He's my ninth excuse me, he's uh Nine generations removed, wait a minute, ninth cousin, seven generations removed. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I said, come on, man, the, the Nazi who was involved with NASA? Yeah, Werner von Braun, it's crazy. And uh, something else that was odd is my grandfather uh, pastored a church up in Alexandria, Virginia for about 12 years. And uh, I used to live over there on King Street. Right up the street from King Street Church of God where my grandfather pastored is a cemetery and none other than Werner von Braun is buried in that cemetery. So talk about a creepy uh, cousin, man. Uh, but I just thought that was crazy. Um, but you're right. We all go back to Adam and Eve, so uh, no telling what's in the closet for us all. <laughs> um, mm, yeah. Very strange, folks. It gets stranger. So, okay. Uh, the big surprise here. Werner von Braun, like nine generations back, seven times removed. So, okay. Uh, the, the link was made somewhere back in the 1500s, but that just shows you um, how wild that genealogy research can get. You never know what you might find in the woodpile. Okay. Um, did you enjoy today's program? I hope you did. Go to sabrell.com, get the book, and um, my friend, God richly bless you. Thank you for coming on. It was a great time spent with you, and thank you for sharing with us today. No problem, Shannon. You take care. Thanks for asking the great questions. Okay, my friend. We'll see you again. God bless you. All right.